It's the Prep Rally Podcast, the only podcast in the state dedicated to prep sports. Brought to you by the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Here's your host, Chip Souza. Yes, sir. Rocking and rolling here on a Wednesday afternoon. It's uh, Chip Souza with Paul Boyd, and this is the Prep Rally Podcast. And uh, we're glad you're with us today. We're going to talk a little prep football. And uh, we are going to be bringing in Leland Barclay from down in the River Valley. Leland will be joining us now on a full-time basis as part of the Prep Rally podcast and also as part of the coverage team for the North- Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Leland will be covering the River Valley for us. And Leland, welcome aboard. It's, uh, man, it's uh, great to be on board. It's uh, So what Leland will be doing down the River Valley is he'll be take, handling all of our coverage down that way. Um, he will be doing... Uh, a lot of special features for us, including a River Valley report each week. Um, he'll also be covering the game of the week in the River Valley every Friday night during football and basketball season. Of course, basketball is Tuesday night and Friday night. So games of the day, games of the whatever it would be, whatever whatever we want to call that. Anyway, and uh, and doing some video and stuff like that. So we are, we are uh, certainly elated to have Leland with us as part of the NWADG team moving forward. So Leland and I were over at Shallow Christian last week for the Southwest Elite 7-on-7. Leland, I saw some pretty good 7-on-7 played. What about you? Wow, tremendous, uh, tremendous teams. Um, Boy, the teams from this area are just so well coached, and it's, I think it's going to be a very exciting season. Some, like we were talking about down on the field, uh, you know, boy, there was, there was a lot of talent. Absolutely. Play, Um, I'm, and I, I think it's easy to say maybe the best ever, you know, ever thrown around a lot. It but, is, but yeah. man, it was it was a it was a, a a bunch of talent on display. Really was. Uh, Leland uh, Paul Leland and I were standing there at the I guess the fifty yard line there uh, under under the uh, shade of the uh, of the of tent. course of course. <laughs> Uh, although you know what, Leland, it was you know it, it wasn't you know exceptionally hot uh, you know when I was down there. Um, the, you know, there have been a lot hotter Julys that we've been on that field. Exactly. At the, at the seven on seven. In fact, I got up there probably about 10 o'clock um, that morning and stopped by Fayetteville and stayed there for about three hours and watched the play that was going on there first. And for about the first hour and a half, you know, of course, you know, the, the field at Fayetteville, Harmon Field is tucked back in there, some trees around it. There was a nice breeze, and it was actually very, very nice for the first hour and a half or two hours. Leland, I didn't see, you know, in the past, at least, now, of course, keep in mind they didn't have this in 2020 because of COVID, but in the past uh, years, you've seen players cramping up a lot because even though, you know, they're conditioning through, you know, throughout the summer, it's still seven on seven. It's, you don't get a break. You know, you know, there's not a, there's not a, you know, going to a huddle and, and getting the defensive call or offensive call and then, you know, breaking out. There's no breaks, you know, when it's, 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 it's bam, bam, bam 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 and so you see a lot of cramping issues there um you know even more so than you see in the early season football games because of that but i didn't see a lot of that at all uh thursday so so very little and you know it's uh of course i think that's you know you can certainly give up most of that credit or a lot of that credit to the players and the coaches you know they stay in shape year-round now it's it's not like you do where they showed up for two a days and in august and they had the you know work everybody back into shape but you know this year too at the tournament there were eight games play or nine games played eight or nine games played on that wednesday because of the the way they had the 
pool play set up. So right. they played even more games that first day than usual. They played, you know, late into the night. They were, you know, they were finishing up after 11 o'clock on Wednesday night. Some real late games. So, Leland, let's go to the championship game, then we'll work our way back a little bit. So, uh, uh, Heritage Hall out of Oklahoma City. Now, they are a 3A program down there, but very, very good, very well coached. They won the championship 21-20 to over Fayetteville. Now, Leland, were you – I know you had left, but were you around there for the final play of that game? No, but I understand that it came two seconds too late. It, two tenths. Yeah, two tenths of a second. Two tenths of a second. So it's 21 20, Heritage Hall. Now, I, I, we also need to say Fayetteville did have a 20 to 6 lead in this game and kind of kind of blew it. Uh, that They did. Uh, but anyway, they uh, came down to the final play and, and actually the final possession went to Fayetteville. And, and the way seven on seven works is you have three downs to get a first down and you can get. Two first downs in your 45 yards or 40 yards, however long the field is, you could get two first downs. And uh, one at the 25 and one, I believe, at the 15 or something, and then that's it. So, they, But there were only, you know, only 20 seconds left when Fayetteville got the ball, so they didn't have time to get first downs. They had to score. First play, incompletion, wasn't going to go anywhere. Anyway, it was a short pass. Second play, incompletion again, you know, a short pass, uh, you know, time running out, the four-second timer running out. So they're down to their last play. There's eight seconds left in the game. That's it. It's, it's score on this play or the game's over. So they take the snap, and, and the play did take a while to develop. And uh, uh, Bladen Fike did see a receiver break free on the left sideline. He throws the pass to the player. The player, I don't, I, Leland, I don't think, I didn't identify the player because Fayetteville's numbers on their jerseys were about one inch tall, and you couldn't tell who was who out there. And so I didn't get the name of the player. It could have been Isaiah Satanka. I don't know who it was. Uh, but anyway, he streaks down the left sideline, gets to about the five, and does the Reggie Bush dive in and hits the pylon just as the buzzer sounds to end the game. Fayetteville's celebrating. They're coming off the sideline. Towels whipping, you know, Bladen Fike is jumping, you know, vertical jump equal of Michael Jordan. It's everybody celebrating. Then they look back and the red flag is up. Means they had they had surpassed their four seconds uh, uh, to get the time off to get the pass off by two. It, it, the clock, the stopwatch was four point two seconds, and so the play didn't count. And uh, then the celebration went to the other sideline for Heritage Hall. And uh, what what a great game! But I'm going to tell you what, Leland, I was so impressed with Bladen Fike, and uh, we're going to talk want to talk about him in just a minute. I had a story about him in Wednesday's Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, today's edition. Now, the last time we saw Bladen Fike on a football field um, was in the playoff game against Little Rock Central, in which he was instructed by his coaches to take a knee on four straight plays with Fayetteville in possession of the ball at their – started at about their 18, 20-yard line. He takes a knee on fourth down, not knowing that when his knee hit the ground, everything stopped, including the clock. That left two seconds on the clock. Little Rock Central gets the ball at the 12, kicks a field goal. They beat Fayetteville, 37-35. Okay, what a – I cannot, Leland, I, I can't think of a lot more heartbreaking ways to lose a football game. Uh, no, there there haven't been. I don't think there's, uh, you know, a, a worse way to to lose a game. I was, I guess Henry covered that game. He did, and so and I, uh, I imagine he was just sitting in the press box, kind of dumbfounded. Uh, yeah, a, a, as were a lot of the players. They were they were dumbfounded because in their mind, the clock 
would, would continue to run. Well, had it been third down, it, it would have been right. It would have. But it yes. was fourth down. And so uh, so that's already already a heartbreaker. It's already a bad thing. Uh, although he did what he was instructed to do. Absolutely. Three days later, on Monday night on ESPN's Come On Man, a segment that they do on ESPN is a pregame show for the Monday night game of the week. Randy Moss uses this play. A high school kid uses this play for his Come On Man part of that panel and does, you know, does the Come On Man thing for a 17-year-old high school football player who already is dealing with this. And in his community, and now this goes all over, the everywhere. The video clip of it—it's all over social media. Every, it's right? all over social media everywhere. So already this kid is feeling about as bad as you can feel, and then to have Randy Moss do this at at the behest of his, you know, producers—I'm guessing—they approved it on TV. That's to me was <laughs> BS. I'm going to keep it clean, but it was total BS to out a kid like that on national TV like that. And I hope Randy Moss has a kid someday that has to go through something like this uh, because karma does come back around. Um, so anyway, uh, that's the last time we had heard of Bladen Fike on a football field. Well, about two days after this happened, he went to social media, and the way that he responded made him the adult and Randy Moss the little kid. I'm going to tell you the way he responded by saying, I take that responsibility myself, I own this, I can promise you next year I will come back and be a better player than I was now. I'll learn from this and I will use this as motivation. Leland, you saw him play a bunch of games on Saturday, on uh, Thursday. Do you think he's using his motivation? Because I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> I think he has. Oh, absolutely. He was the best player on the field. No, no yes. question. Yeah. Best player on the field. He will be one of the best quarterbacks in the state this year. And no you're doubt. Right. It's a very, very Bush League yep. move by what I think has probably become a Bush League organization. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's it goes against everything that we were taught in yep. journalism about high school sports. Yes. Um, yeah. So but he has come back. The, the nice thing about it is, I guess, that he was a junior and he had a chance to come back Correct. and prove himself his senior year. And I think so. And and I think we may uh, see him take his team very, very far this season. Exactly. We know Fayetteville is going to have a good – they're going to have a better defense than they had last year simply because they're going to have Caden Turner, K-9, in the middle of that defense, and he's, you know, he is a Division One level prospect. They're going to be good defensively, better than they were last year, which I thought they greatly underachieved on defense last year. So I think they'll be better defensively. There's no question they're going to be better offensively if Isaiah Satanga stays healthy. There's nobody in the state that can stop him. Nobody. I don't, I don't care who you are. You cannot stop him, okay? If you can just get him the ball in any kind of space at all, he's going to get you five or a hundred yards on that play. Um, so Fayetteville, I think Leland, in my mind, now, of course, they still have to play the games, but Fayetteville should be and could be and should be the most improved team in the 7A West. They very well could be, and they may be. I, I think they are one of the two teams that have a chance at taking the crown away from the 7A Central this I, season. I, I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. Now, 
Fike played well. Isaiah Satanga was lights out. They had other kids who played exceptionally well. Fayetteville looked really, really good in this 7-on-7. And, Paul, you and I talked. We know this is not real football. We, we know that. It's, I mean, it's one aspect. It's one aspect. We yeah. know that. Yeah. We know there's still got to be blocking and tackling and sure. that kind of stuff, and that's things they'll have to be good at, and they'll have to be able to run the football as well. Yes. But they, also, I know this. When I've t- seen teams do well in this 7-on-7, seven seven, it has translated to them having good teams in the fall. Okay, I've seen this multiple times. So, take it for what it's worth. I'm taking it as, and I'm saying this, and I'm saying this on July the 20, whatever today is, the 22nd or 21st, whatever day is, Fayetteville will be the most improved team in the 7A West. They were a 4-7 and seven team last year. That will not happen again. Okay, that will not happen again. So, Leland, we had a chance to see Fayetteville play. We were impressed. Bentonville, we knew they were going to be good. They're going to be good. My gosh, Chas Nimrod, if there's a kid who looks better in the uniform than that kid, show him to me. Because <laughs> I don't believe there are. Uh, he and Satanga, Leland, Leland and I were standing there. This is what I was leading up to a while ago. Leland and I were standing at the midfield and watching Satanga and Nimrod just try to one-up each other on, on every on, when Bentonville and Fayetteville play. And they played each other three times in this, in this tournament. But it was fun to watch those two kids. Satanga would do something. Nimrod would come back and say, oh, yeah, watch this. And then he'd do this, and Satanga would say, oh, yeah, hold my Gatorade. Watch this. <laughs> yeah, there, there was one exchange where I think they both scored on consecutive 40-yard touchdown passes. Yeah. I think there may have been an incomplete pass in between. But I know Fayetteville scored on one to Satania, and then uh, either a play or the next play, uh, Nimrod scored on, on it. So it was back, you know, back-to-back plays by two of the best receivers in the state. Exactly, Leland. It was almost like uh, it could have been like a playground basketball game, where it's kind of like a make it, take it, you know, kind of a thing. You know, it was uh, it was fantastic. So Bentonville will be uh, Paul. That it's fun, it's interesting because if you remember last year, Bentonville. Um, for lack of a better word, they, they were Bentonville underachieved toward, toward the end of the season. They did. Bentonville was a team that should have played for a state championship. They had that kind of talent, and they didn't, and laid an egg in a playoff game against Cabot and lost to a team they should have beat by two touchdowns. Yeah, slipped up, no question. And no I doubt. Think, yeah, I don't think there's any question about there's it. There's no doubt. And Jody Grant made a, made a very good observation. He said, we were not prepared to play a four-quarter game because we hadn't played one in, in – since probably preseason. They steamrolled the teams in the 7A West, and that 7A West didn't do Bentonville any favors at all. They were The 7A West was down as a whole, and Bentonville dominated, and they were not ready to play a four-quarter game. And when Cabot hit them in the mouth in the fourth quarter, Bentonville didn't have an answer. Well, they got you got to be able to respond, Yeah, right? they didn't. And, of course, they had a fumble at the two-yard line. If they score, no fumble there. You know, it's a different story, and Bentonville wins that game, and they may go on and go to the state championship game. But guess what? They fumbled, and they didn't win the game. So – what they did is, as Jody Grant went in and said, we're going to change up everything we do. Our, our offseason is going to be different. Everything's going to be different, and we're going to be tougher. I guarantee you we're going to be tougher in the fourth quarter this year. I will guarantee you that. So what you're seeing, I had a chance to see uh, in Leland. I know you haven't been around Bentonville as much as I have. Paul, Josh, their, their running back from last year, he don't, it doesn't even look like the same kid. If he, if, if, if he were not wearing number one, I wouldn't have even recognized him. He is a good 15 pounds of granite, uh, heavier than he was, and and he looked fantastic. And uh, of course, I told you Nimrod. If you know, he looks like an NFL player out there. I mean, this is a long, lean kid. Um, I've seen him since he was a scrawny sophomore, and, and Henry Apple has seen him. Henry's joining us now. Nimrod was a long drink of water as a sophomore. 
he looks like a man now. He I mean, he's six two, looks like yeah. a man, and uh, and this is in shorts and t-shirts. So looking at him in full uniform, I can just imagine what he looks like. And so, um, you know, th- these are going to be two very, very good teams, Bentonville and Fayetteville. And uh, 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 had a chance, uh, Leland had a chance to see a little shallow Christian. <laughs> this is no surprise, Paul. A little. <laughs> they, the shallow Christian might be pretty good this year, Leland. What do you think? I think they're going to be very good. They, they <laughs> certainly have a, an opportunity. They're, they're going to be good enough to have an opportunity to repeat as yes. state champions. Now, yes. four-way, I think, year in and year out is always the most wide open yeah. because there are just a, a group of teams that, man, you just know they're going to be good. Sure. Warren's going to be good. Nashville's going to be good. Uh, you know, so 4A is, is tough. Uh, I mean, gosh, Arkadelphia, you know, Robinson. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just. Yeah. And it's, um, and it's, of course, a lot more teams in 4A. So you got, you know, more, uh, I call them landmines. There's more landmines yes, to navigate yes. through. Well. Um, but Shiloh looked really good. And, uh, Paul, this is something you'll, you'll, you'll hit with you. Uh, Rogers went 8 and 0 in pool play. Okay. They went 8-0 no, in pool play. And uh, Noah Goodshield, uh, their quarterback over there, looked good. Now, this is a kid who, uh, Paul, he knows what it's like to play on a winning team. He'd been a part, uh, started and, and uh, won a state, helped the uh, Rogers baseball team win a state championship yes, playing shortstop. Uh, came back, you know, this past year. Last season, he was the starting receiver. So he understands uh, – there, there's a guy who understands the quarterback-receiver uh, relationship, right? Well, plus he's a winner and he's, yeah. he's a good athlete. And so uh, uh, now now Rogers did not make it into tournament play. They got beat uh, on, on – uh, Leland, I keep wanting to say Saturday morning, but it was Thursday morning. They got beat, uh, just got just got knocked out of, of uh, bracket play, um, but uh, they had a, a very good showing. And uh, of course, you know Leland, to no surprise, Greenwood, uh, they look pretty good too. Well, it was kind of you know Hunter Houston is kind of the the heir apparent to the quarterback throne, uh, and he kind of came up with a little bit of a sore arm after Wednesday, so they turned to Slade Dean. Well, darn. So that means Greenwood had no chance, right? Oh, wait a minute. It's Greenwood. Oh, yeah. Well, in <laughs> fact, they're the ones that knocked Rogers out. They yeah. handed Rogers their first loss of the uh, of the tournament, because I think Rogers was 9-0 and at that point in the tournament, and then Greenwood won that game. So they have two very good quarterbacks again, uh, which is, you know, which is no surprise, and uh, they're going to be very good again, especially – Defensively, I think they'll be even better defensively this year than last year uh, overall. Now, Henry, I'm going to toss this over to you a little bit. I know you weren't there to see it, but I tell you what, Leland, and, and uh, I know you didn't see him play, but props to Green Forest. Uh, Greg Tibbet over there is trying to change that culture, and, uh, boy, he's he's got a lot of work to do to change that culture, but he's trying to change that culture and open it up a little bit, play a little one-back and, and – and, spread that thing open, and they had a spot come open in this tournament, and Greg Tibbetts said, you know what? Put us down. We, we want to get in it. You know, that exactly is what he's trying to do. For years, you know, when uh, Bobby Bishop was there at Green Forest, they ran the old power eye. It was just ball control, all that. Greg Tibbetts now comes in, and he says, we're going to fling the thing. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, props to them. And this is, you know, it's like, you know, playing in this thing's like, you know, trying to drink out of a fire hose for, for a team like Green Forest. It's, it's uh, you know, things were moving fast. But I'm going to tell you what, what he ended up doing, Leland, I don't know if you know this or not, he ended up taking, uh, this is going to, Leland, you're going to identify this real quickly. He typically ended up taking a, a lineman and putting him at quarterback for them in this seven on seven. What does that remind you of? 
That reminds me of Aaron Gamble yep. at uh, at Greenwood yep. under uh, Coach Peacock. Yeah, Ronnie Peacock. Yep, who uh, was yep. a center and moved to quarterback. And of course, we have to you know give our condolences to the Gamble family and what a terrible, terrible thing, um, tragedy uh, for that family. Uh, you know, he was killed in a car wreck along with his son about three weeks ago. But uh, what a lasting figure that guy and a legacy. That guy leaves at Greenwood uh, as being the first of what has it been, Leland, 25 2,000-yard passers in your story, I think? Uh, 25, including 17 straight. Wow. Uh, and, and I think it's safe to say probably the most unlikely. Exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> so Green Forest may be in tribute to, to Aaron Gamble. Uh, what a tribute that would be if that were the case. But anyway, moved a lineman to quarterback. And, and I tell you what, I had coaches talking about this. They said, you know what? The first game, they look like a deer in the headlights. The next game, the headlights slowed down a little bit, and by the fourth or fifth game, they looked kind of like they knew what they were doing out there, Henry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. imagine how that, how that happens. So props to them. That's No, that's outstanding. Yeah. And, and you kind of beat me to it. I was going to say is by the end of the two days, I bet they were a whole lot better Absolutely than they, they were when they started, and that's the point, right? Absolutely. That's Absolutely it was. So had a chance to see them. Leland, you had a chance to see Ozark a little bit. What did you think about Riker Martin and, and the uh, Ozark Hillbillies? Well, they are um, – you know, it's it's funny. Um, they're going to run the ball. Yeah, they are. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play power football. Uh, but they like to get in the seven-on-seven seven stuff because, you know, obviously they're going to have to throw it some plus. Sure. They're having it replace a tremendous uh quarterback a three-year starter and harper falconberry so you know they're kind of using this like a lot of teams to get some quarterbacks some play and and maybe even use it kind of um you know as an audition to see maybe who uh is the front runner at the position so they've got two quarterbacks that they uh you know tried out most of the most of the uh summer so that's uh that's interesting but but you know, they're going to run the football. In fact, you know, we've got a little bit planned for uh, something planned for them coming up early in the season as far as a story and stuff on uh, on some linemen. Because, you know, Brock, Brock Burns is going to be very good. Yep. And uh, he's, he's one of the big ones for them. So I think they're going to be fine. Uh, in fact, I think they're going to be very good. The main thing they've had trouble with maybe a little bit recently, is just staying healthy. Man, they have just been bit so, so snake-bitten in the injury department. So snake-bitten. Now, Henry, I don't, I don't know. If you look at in July, that's, you know, you, you can't predict that. Right. Henry, I don't know if there's a Wendy's in Ozark. There might be. Of course, I don't know if, how much business they do with Rivertown Barbecue, but if there's not, if there is a Wendy's, that's where the beef is, is in Ozark. It's it's in Ozark. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Uh, if, if the beef's not there or, or if Rivertown Barbecue, it's got to be somewhere <laughs> around there. Yeah, maybe over there at the Hillbilly Hideout, where you know where Gus sits a lot and yeah. the Bears stays. There you go. There you go. They have got the big lineman there. He, Jeremy Burns. They must be having big barbecues at his house or something because man, he's got the big boys over there. Yep. So just remember the names: uh, Burns, Carnes, and Yates. Yep. Yep. Big boys. And uh, so anyway. Uh, major props go out to Shiloh Christian. Uh, once again, having a fantastic tournament. They do such a good job over there. So many good volunteers, things like that. We love that tournament over there because, it, first of all, it's well run. Um, and uh, Jeff Conaway and those guys, so easy to deal with. Um, always, always there to, to grab to get a you know real quick interview, uh, things like that. And so Leland, again, I know you share this same sentiment. At, uh, I'd be I'd be happy if Shiloh Christian held one of these every week. 
<laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, Coach Conaway is great to talk to, and yep. he really, you know, it, it was the first time that I've talked to him about the new competitive equity factor rule. Also talked to Coach Kohu, Kohu at uh, Little Rock Christian, right. and uh, they both definitely had a lot to say about it. Yeah, they was, they did, yeah. they did, and uh, I don't blame them. I'd be I'd be I'd be talking about it as well, but it is what it is. Um, so Leland, now the teams kind of get a uh, a, little, a little bit of a you kind of catch your breath a little bit. Although the dead period's over, Henry, they still now that now they can just kind of shift their attention to these last these last two weeks of July, knowing that full on you know practices will be coming around uh, the first of August, and so they can start putting that focus on their first games or first scrimmages. And Henry, I know you've been working on schedules and things like that. Got some pretty good matchups coming up in Week One, uh, Leland. I know you'll be at the big uh, Battle of uh, Rogers Avenue on that Thursday night that will kick off the football season, North Side versus South Side. But that's not the only big game. Got some other big games going on. I'm excited. I uh, didn't know this until Henry dropped this knowledge on me that the Springdale Harbor game with McKinney, Texas, is back on. It was supposed to have been played last year, and then COVID wiped it out. Well, it's back on, and I'm going to go travel down to McKinney, Texas for that game. It's going to be a Saturday game instead of a Friday game. But, Leland, I want to go down there and see this mega stadium down in uh, down in McKinney. Texas, uh, you know, it's it's football's a little bit bigger in Texas than it is most places. And I know that you got your uh, Dave Campbell's the other day. I've had mine for about a week and a half now, and it's, uh, it's a must-have for uh high school football season but you know you guys were talking about you know the first games and stuff um you know i think the first scrimmage is the 17th wow that's coming which up is fast. not very far away and there's two scrimmages that uh you know i may have to go to these because i mean they're just going to be uh i think tremendous scrimmages cedarville is going to equipment oh Okay. And, of course, Cedarville's, uh, you know, has uh, Kadich, the running back, yep. who rushed for over 2,000 yards last year, uh, led the led the regular season, led the state in rushing in the regular season. Yep. And then Will Litton, the quarterback uh, for Quitman, he put up over 2,000 yards rushing, uh, 2,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards rushing there last year. Nice. So a 2,000-1,000-yard guy is very rare. And then I think the next night – Ozark host Maul Mel. Wow, that'll be a good one too. That'll be a real good one. And uh, we'll have some good scrimmages up here. I guess, Henry, do you know, is Harbor and Bentonville going back over to Oklahoma like they always do, or have you heard? They, uh, I know Bentonville is going over there because they're going to play Owasso at Tulsa Union. I just okay. found that out. Uh, I know that uh, Bentonville West is going to host Fort Smith Northside in its okay. scrimmage. Uh, I Shil- Shiloh and Springdale will scrimmage. Right. Uh, will, will Fayetteville and Greenwood scrimmage again? They, they normally the last do. Couple, yeah, the yeah, last they several. Do. They are. Well, they I are. think it's at Greenwood yeah. this year. Uh, that would be I right. Think it's yeah. on the 20th as okay. well. Yeah. So okay. some good scrimmages. And I can't wait. I'm just sitting here. My palms are sweating. I can't wait. I cannot wait for football season to get here. And uh also want to give you guys uh, listening, a uh, if you're listening to this, uh, in Thursday's Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Leland has a really good story on former Greenwood state champion quarterback Stephen Hogan, um, who is back now at Greenwood on the coaching staff. He had been coaching in Oklahoma. He's now back back in the blue um, and is one of the uh, 27 co-offensive coordinators at Greenwood. I think they <laughs> have several of them. Uh, but anyway, he's the new passing game coordinator at Greenwood. And, of course, his story is a tremendous story in the fact that he was a receiver, was moved to quarterback as a senior, 
led probably one of the greatest comebacks in state championship history for Greenwood and won a state championship um, for Rick Jones. Uh, but the real story, Paul, that you'll identify with, and you know this, I'm sure, probably, Stephen Hogan signed with Arkansas State and played for four different coaches in four years. He, he did. There. He did. And uh, he got. He was able to – and you look at it as a player, and that would really, uh, for lack of a better word, that would suck as a player. It would. But it really would. if you're going to be a coach, my goodness, are you kidding me? How many different people did you get to – how many brains did you get to well, pick and, and be a part of? Yeah. Hugh Freeze signed yeah. him and yep. played for Freeze one year. Gus. Gus Malzahn comes in second year. Leland, is this right? Brian Harson, Harson. the third year. Yeah. And then the fourth year was who? Uh, Anderson. Blake Anderson. Blake Anderson. Blake Anderson. Blake Anderson. Yeah. Blake Anderson. Yeah. So he played for four different coaches. At four, not just four coaches, four very good coaches. Mm-hmm. Okay? So he's got that. Then he gets graduates, goes over to Oklahoma, and, then, and, and is on the staff of several good coaches over there, including Bill Blankenship. Over at Owasso. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and also he played for Rick Jones for several years. So Leland, <laughs> I tell you what, if I'm putting a resume together, if I'm Stephen Hogan putting a resume together, it's, it's 10 pages long. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. And it's, I'm asking, you know, how in the world do you retain um, stuff from all of those guys? And that's when he made the comment and it's in the story about, uh, you know, he's, you know, Kids can tell if you're fake, and at the end of the day, you got to be yourself. Exactly. He can't be. He can't be Rick Jones. He can't be Gus Malzahn. He's got to be the best Stephen Hogan he can be. But you know, he's gleaned a little bit from each one of those coaches that he, <laughs> exactly. that he files away and he uses. So anyway, that'll be in the Thursday Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. So a little prop, a little uh, teaser there for that story. You'll want to be sure and uh, catch that, especially if you are a Greenwood uh, native. You'll want to be sure and catch that, and you'll want to be able to catch all of Leland Barclay's stuff that he will have now that he's part of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette family. And uh, Leland, thanks for uh, you know for making that jump over to uh, to our side, and uh, you know we're so glad to have you. Well, it's uh, I look forward to it. In fact, uh, you know we can't see this on a podcast or anything, but I've uh, I've got a very big smile on my face. I'm very go. happy. Uh, to be there and it's like uh, it's like joining a, a hall of fame staff with the guys you got up there and of course walter and harold down yep. here it's uh you know um i'm just happy to bat eighth that's fantastic well leland we're going to wrap this show up and again thanks for being on with us and leland will be part of our podcast every week um, as we bring you the best in prep sports coverage Henry, I like to say from walden to omaha and all parts in between <laughs> yeah Big yeah, area. That is a big area. When you come to start putting together high school football schedules yeah. for our area, my, it took me an entire day just to do it. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, and we're, we're not even talking about how about basketball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think I'll turn that one over to you, Paul. Uh, thanks. <laughs> well, if, you, uh, if you're not a subscriber to the, to the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, I can't stress to you enough how much you're missing you know, every day. Um, you get the great coverage of Leland Barclay down in the River Valley. You get the great Henry Apple and Paul Boyd and the beautiful Ricky Fires, and I'll contribute where I can and try to just keep the car in between the, the stripes. And uh, if you're not a subscriber and you want to be part of this team, um, because if it's prep sports, we're going to have it, and we're going to give you the best of it that we can, and we try to do it on a daily basis uh, through print, through digital, through video, through podcast, through every every kind of media known known to man we're going to try to give you that so if you're not a subscriber go online nwaonline.com click on the uh, circulation uh, uh, tab and you get all the details there 
Um, you still got time to jump in before high school football season and volleyball season and track season and cross country season and all that gets started. You'll want to be part of this. You do not want to miss it. And uh, the only way to get some of this content is to be a subscriber. So jump in, get on the team, be like Leland Barclay, jump on this team and you will not be disappointed. So, so that's it for this week's edition of Prep Rally. We'll be back with you next week. We'll have Leland back with us next week, and who knows what we'll talk about, but we certainly will have enough to talk about to fill up the time for sure. So I'm Chip Sousa for Paul Boyd, Henry Apple, and Leland Barclay down in Fort Smith. Thanks for listening to Prep Rally, the podcast. The Prep Rally podcast is produced and directed by the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher.